Welcome. This is Talking Joy, creating joy, inner peace, and authentic connections. My name is Pam Rotelli-Robertson, and I am founder of lifestyle brand Talking Joy. As a certified spiritual director, I have been leading groups with the power of words, the strength of positivity, and the gift of joy. During our time together, our focus will be on simple spiritual practices that can be applied to your everyday life with the wisdom and support of others. Talking Joy talks to help you realize your value. I am so glad you're here. Simple, joyful, fun. Let's get talking. Well, it's good to see everybody. Welcome to the Talking Joy podcast with the Talking Joy team. Uh, Blair is here, but on mute because she's not, she's a little under the weather. And we have Jennifer and Ariane and Joanne. And uh, Lindsay had uh, knee surgery recently and she's out and uh, not feeling 100%. And Katie is expecting her baby boy this week, kind of on baby watch with her. So that's really exciting. We'll have a new little baby in our group in our midst. Podcast episode, we're going to talk about, there's a book called How to Train a Wild Elephant. It's uh, She says that there's a growing body of research that shows that mindfulness can reduce stress, improve physical health, and improve overall quality of life. She's a physician and a Zen teacher, and she's developed a series of simple practices to help cultivate mindfulness as we go about our ordinary everyday lives. And then these exercises, I took five of them and sent them to the Talking Joy group in advance about a week ago and asked them if they would participate in them. And then we're going to talk about them. Um, And really one of the main reasons I did this is because, uh, I edit the podcasts now, ever since COVID started, I edit the podcasts myself where we used to have Earl, our guy Earl used to (laughs) edit all the podcasts and I sit in garage band and I swish my hand back and forth over like the mouse pad and my right hand sometimes really bothers me from sitting and doing that, from doing all the edits. And so I thought to myself, oh, I remember there's the spiritual exercise where you could actually try to use your left hand instead to do a lot of your ordinary tasks. And in doing that, you know, using your non-dominant hand, brushing your teeth or cooking, like stirring in a pot, that it makes you really conscious of what you're doing because you have to think about it. So when I use my dominant hand, I don't really have to think about it. But when I use my non-dominant hand, it doesn't work quite as well. It doesn't do the rhythm as fast or as, as efficiently as I would like, but I'm actually getting better at it. So We'll get into that. So what did you guys think? Anybody about these exercises? Did you guys try them on Jennifer? Yeah. I mean, I, I felt like um, before we actually started recording, um, Joanne had said she pretty much does these practices um, all the time. And I feel the same way. Like there were a lot of things, um, you know, I'm always looking at nature. So seeing the trees and all the blooms coming out springtime and the flowers, I just love noticing that. And every once in a while I send my kids uh, little uh, texts and I'll, I'll send them pictures of, of flowers that I see or whatever, just for, for them to take notice too and tell them to look around. Just last night, my son sent me the moon with palm trees and, you know, the night sky. And, and I sent a note back to him saying, enjoy the air, enjoy the trees, enjoy the moon. Like, just so he can appreciate these little things that are like every day. Um, I'm always complimenting people. If I see someone randomly like on the street and I like their jacket or their hair looks nice, I'll, I'll say something because I know it does make people feel better and it gives a little spring in their step. Um, and then I'm kind of ambidextrous. I was doing um, 
helping my brother down at his beach house. I'm helping him, uh, you know, demolition and redecorate and stuff like that. So I had to a lot of times switch my, my hand to use the hammer because of the angle of things I was doing. So, and I was thinking about that. I was like, oh, this is, you know, it's not as hard as I thought it was going to be because I, I do tend to use both my hands a lot, but I, I liked the um, reminder that you gave us to take note of these things that we do maybe every, you know, during the week or in our, in our lives. So it was just a nice reminder of, oh, that's not something I normally do, but I, I'm doing it now. Yeah. Yeah. And let me thank you for saying all that. And let me just go through the five things that I sent you in the book is options, but I picked five of them. And the first one was compliments. The second one was listening. uh, And the third one was noticing trees. The fourth one was hot and cold. And the fifth one was to use your non-dominant hand. I'm very right-hand dominant. Sounds like you go back and forth, Jennifer, between the two, but I definitely, um, tend to use my, the right, even the whole right side of my body for everything. You know, I step with my right foot first. I, you know, there are a lot of things that you, we do that we don't think about. So, so why don't we start with, with number one compliments. It said, think of someone close to you and give them a genuine compliment. The more specific the compliment, the better. Become aware throughout the week of any compliments other people give you. As a reminder, post the word compliment. I love this part of it because I like these visual reminders. Post the word compliment in places where you will see it often. Did anybody try that one out? Uh, yeah, I did. Um, as I was saying before the podcast, I I love giving people compliments. And in, and in a way, it's it, I think of it as a little bit selfish of myself too, because like, well, if somebody was thinking something nice about me, like I'd love to hear it, Right. Um, so whenever I think something nice about somebody in my head, I always try to say it if the opportunity comes up. Um, and then I really feel like you can see a genuine, you know, smile and thank you and, you know, a little brightening to their face. And then it makes you feel wonderful as well. So I love doing that. Let me ask you this question, because this is hard for women. And I feel like I've come a long way with this one if somebody gives you a compliment versus, you know, it's easy to give other people compliments, I think, you know, or to consciously think about it. I love the visual reminder, but when you flip the mirror around, when you turn the mirror around and somebody gives me a compliment, I used to be the type of person. I love when I say used to be, because that means there's been some spiritual growth around, you know, or some of my growing edges. I used to say, Oh no, no, this sweater, I got it at Marshall's or, Oh, this is really old. It's, it's not even mine or, you know, or, Oh, I, I have bad head. What do you mean? My hair looks nice. And I would, it was, I was like deflecting the compliment. I wasn't receiving it. And now, you know, and I've trained myself to do this. I smile at the person and say, thank you so much. Thank you. That means a lot. And you might, I might touch my heart or I, to remind myself bodily to, cause you said there was a bodily reaction to people. You saw their faces changed when you gave them a compliment. So I want to receive it, you know, in my body. Are you guys good at receiving compliments? I, I think it's funny you say that. Cause I felt, feel the same way. I, I love to give compliments because I truly sincere compliments. I don't, I, I don't give compliments that I don't mean, but when I mean them, I like to give them because I, I truly like to make people happy. Um, but I'm, I used to be very uncomfortable receiving compliments. 
And it wasn't until, I don't know, I guess somewhat recently where, um, and I would do the same thing you did, Pam. I would, I would, um, I would explain why they were giving me a compliment, why they almost like telling them they shouldn't or giving them a reason anyway. And now I, you know, I just say thank you. And, you know, and it makes, and I, I take their compliment fully. I don't overanalyze it or, or anything like that. And I think that's, that's spiritual growth. I think that's confidence. I think that's just, you know, being sure of yourself. Right. And I think we all come into that at a certain point, um, hopefully anyway. So, yeah. yeah. And for anybody listening, this is just a good reminder, receive compliments in the same generous way that you're offering them out into the world. So number two on the list was uh, listen. And as you guys know, as a spiritual director, I'm a trained listener. I have to, I have to practice it a lot of times. It's easier for me to do when I'm in sessions with with people than in my everyday life. The book says uh, several times a day, stop and just listen. Several times a day, stop and just listen. Open your eyes and your ears as if they are giant radar dishes. Listen to the obvious sounds, the subtle sounds in your body, in the room and outside. Post a simple drawing of an ear around the house. Did anybody try this one out? I feel like I I did try to do this because I find myself often trying to fill time, you know, when I'm driving or I'm walking the dog, you know, putting on a podcast or calling a friend or a family member. And um, I was helping a friend out last week and was walking her dog. So I had more time kind of on my own. I didn't want to, usually I bring the dogs together with other dogs. So I see other people, but I didn't feel as comfortable since I was responsible for two dogs. So I walked on my own and I tried to be more cognizant of, you know, the sounds of nature listening to the different, um, you know, bird songs and, you know, it was very windy to the sound of the wind in the trees. Um, and rather than kind of reflexively looking on, you know, my podcast app, you know, what can I listen to? What's on NPR? You know, what, what could give me something to think about, you know, just trying to, to be and um, in the moment rather than and fill the time. So I thought that was a nice reminder. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. The book says that we're continuously bathed in sound, even in places we would call quiet, such as libraries or forests. The ears register all these sounds, but our brain blocks most of them out so that we can concentrate on the important ones, the conversation, the lecture, the radio program, like Blair was saying, listening to um, the news, an airplane engine, you know, and is that a baby crying? We all know that sound will just jar you out of like a dead sleep, right? Research indicates that babies can hear things that adults cannot. Their hearing is accurate enough to detect the subtle echoes that occur after most sounds. We learn in early life to block these confusing sounds out. And interestingly, African Bushmen retain this ability, probably because they live in a very quiet environment of the desert. And babies also recognize music and the qualities of voice that they hear before birth. So when we can listen carefully, a new word opens up and sounds, you know, that were annoying become interesting. So I, I did this once with uh, with a teacher. We did sort of listening to your life where, you know, she had us first listen to the sounds in the room. So if you guys were to listen right now um, to sounds that are that are obvious that in the room that you're in right now, you know, you might hear the refrigerator or you might have a pet nearby that's breathing or there's some sort of hums that are, 
And then if you listen even harder, you know, you might hear the rain outside or for me, there's birds everywhere. Do you guys have that outside your house right now? Joanne, I have to tell you, before you start talking, we saw you running <laughs> in the background <laughs> looking for a charger. <laughs> yeah, my computer died. Um, it's so funny. I love that you gave us this exercise because I've always kind of done this in my house anyway. Like when I get bored and I don't know what I want to do next, or I just don't want to do anything next. Sometimes I just want to like sit and think, um, one of my favorite sounds, I know this is so funny, but is the refrigerator. Mm. It, I feel like it's very meditative. I don't know if it's the brand I have, <laughs> but, um, sometimes I'll just sit on my couch and, or, you know, at the kitchen table with a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. And I just try to like take in my surroundings, see what comes up in my mind, see what I hear or, or see or feel. Um, and a sound I often hear is the refrigerator first and foremost, of course, sometimes, you know, then the heater comes on and, and then I'll notice the sense, the extra like warmth sensation of the heater. And then it's all, it's all really kind of beautiful. Like if you really just give it space and like feel and hear and see, sometimes it can be really wonderful to just sit there. <laughs> and you know what? It's so interesting listening to all of you guys really today. And I thought you were spectacular before we started the Talking Joy, you know, team for the podcast and everything. But I'm, I'm sensing that you guys have evolved so much that some of these practices, like everybody's like, oh, yeah, I already do this. But I don't know that everyone does. And, and Joanne, what I'm hearing is that you're making space for that listening. You know, Jennifer's making that space for noticing beauty outside. And, and, and the reason I know that it's working for her is because her son flipped it and he sent something to her and noticed it. So when we do things, you know, so many people are like all talking and teaching and with their kids, but I think our kids mirror what we do. And so if you're Joanne, you know, your kids notice that you're sitting there and they're like, what are you doing, mom? You're like, Oh, I'm listening to the, re I'm listening to the refrigerator, honey. Um, <laughs> No, but it's white noise. It's soothing. And you're also paying attention to the very tangible things that are right around you. And we're often so caught. We talk a lot about this, about being off in the future or in the past. And you're listening to what's right, what's right there in the room with you. And I love that. And or Jennifer's noticing what's right around her or Blair out on her walk. Um you know, with, with someone else's dog and, and, and really paying attention to things outside. And, and, and that's the idea, you know, that the idea with this book is that, you know, they say that growing research says that mindfulness can reduce stress. So would you say that you feel less stressful when you're doing those things? I was just going to say, I think that it definitely does reduce stress because it encourages you just to be in the moment rather than try to, you know, take more in than you need to. And um, I definitely agree with the idea of, you know, trying to paint that on our kids too. You know, I was sitting, you know, dealing with, with quarantine. There's a lot of um, boredom and frustration um, in my house. Um, and so the other day before it became this uh, monsoon situation that we have today, um, you know, sitting out in the backyard um, with my daughter and the dog. And I you know, said, which of the, the bird songs is your favorite? You know, just a little question, an invitation, not, you know, what specifically do you hear, but asking her to kind of opine on those things. And then, you know, looking, 
I have that time hop app on my phone that, you know, shows you the photos you took one year ago, two years ago, three years ago, and then saying, look, you know, the trees are just budding now. Two years ago, they were in full bloom, you know, Mm. oh, the daffodils were completely out last, you know, four years ago, but now, you know, they haven't even started. Just kind of, um, you know, taking note of those things um, and how they kind of impact your environment and your perception. Yeah. And can I just note that you're saying you're in quarantine because you're, you have COVID right now. Is that okay to say? Well, it's, it's out there. <laughs> it's out there. I can take that out if you don't want me to say it, but. Um, no, it's okay. I mean, I think it's, you know, everyone, no one, I wasn't doing anything risky. It just, these things happen and the kids aren't masked at school anymore. And, you know, we're taking this risk and I want everyone to go back to normal. My whole family is vaccinated and the adults are boosted, but you can still get sick even if you're taking precautions. So um, I'm just thankful we're not more sick than we are. And I appreciate your sharing that. And I also appreciate that, uh, that you're doing some of these practices outside. I love that, that you're doing that with your daughter and, you know, because you're forced, we feel like something's been taken from us sometimes when we're put in situations like this, but maybe there's also things being added uh, to your life. And Jennifer, you were going to add to that. No, I was, I was agreeing with what, you know, Blair pretty much said, said it all, but, but I, you know, just reflecting on um, this past weekend, again, being outside, I think Sunday afternoon was really nice. And I did my planters out front for the spring. And I, one of my daughters was sitting with me and I said, let's just sit in the sun and just feel it and look around you and notice like one of my trees, um, was already blooming, but then the, le- the the flowers already turned brown because we had snow, a couple snow squalls the last mm-hmm. couple of weeks, which ruined that. But, um, you know, as we're sitting there and we're looking at the sun and, and, you know, I don't think she's noticing what I'm noticing. And I'm, I, I like to point things out too. And I looked up and I saw um, a plane's uh, streaking across, you know, the streak across the sky. And I said, Lulu, do you see that? And she first couldn't see it. And I said, well, how can't you see that? (laughs) She finally, like her eyes focused on it. And, you know, then we have a conversation, where do you think they're going? Um, You know, so just, just these tiny little things that you notice that will get you thinking. And then if you're with your children, also it, it gets them thinking like Blair was recognizing with her daughter the the different stages of of where spring is at different times you know different years um those are things that you know most people don't really pay attention to but when you're when you're um given that opportunity um to do that you know share it yeah yeah thank you and i think a good lead in right now is number 4 or number 3 about noticing trees um, you both were talking about being outside and trees and the sky. And it says during the week, become aware of the trees around you. Notice the different aspects, shapes, height, branches, and flowers. I love that Blair did that contrast from year to year. That's pretty cool. It says just notice and appreciate them. And a good time to notice is on the way to the store or to school. So we live in a walking town, but if you guys, maybe some of you drive your kids to school, that is a good time. I used to love, I would do my Meredith Jars of Joy quotes on the way to school with the kids. I'd keep a container of them in the, in the glove box. But another great one too, is um, just watching sort of in spring now, like everything exploding and sort of the daffodils. And I forget what I was driving somewhere with 
Oh, I was taking one of my kids uh, to pick up his car yesterday and there were daffodils in Morristown just all along this hill, like off the highway and just like, oh my gosh, like what a nice surprise to see that. And then you get, you, you're reminded that, you know, we're leaving winter and moving into a new season and it just opens up for, for all these different conversations to have. Um, number four is hot and cold. Pay attention this week to the sensations of hot and cold. Notice any physical or emotional reaction to temperature. Practice being at ease no matter what the temperature and put up little signs with a thermometer. Did anybody try this one? I can't stand the cold. So <laughs> we've had a couple of cold days again and I'm, I'm ready for spring. And I try to appreciate the different temperatures and times of year because this is where we live and the, the Northeast, but um, I get a little agitated when, you know, we get a tease of a warm day and then the next day it's, you know, 30 degrees. So um, I notice that, you know, depending on if it's sunny out or if it's gray sky, my mood does change quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the author goes on to say that she says, do this exercise, uh, doing this exercise, we watch our aversion to temperatures outside of a small range. Each person's range is different. We complain it's too hot. It's too cold as if it shouldn't be that way. The sun, the clouds, the airs have comprised to make us uncomfortable. And we're always doing something to adjust the temperature, turning the heaters and the air conditioning on and off, which is true. Cause I actually like when it's cold out, but I'm done with it. You know, like I like it for a time. I like winter and I like being cozy and I like warm sweaters and I like winter food. But when we got those cold snaps the last couple of weeks, a few times, I was just, you know, like you were saying, we had some snow squalls and you were starting to pull out your nice spring things. And then they went right back, <laughs> right back in the closet. We open and close windows and doors, johnning and shedding clothing. And we're never satisfied for long. When the temperature rises above 90 degrees, we long for cooler weather. And during the cold, rainy winters, we long for sun. Don't you guys all agree with that? I definitely agree. I feel like I really like living in the Northeast because since there is such a variation in the weather, you really appreciate it. Um, when you finally go from false spring to real spring and you get to have a, a nice kind of spread of warm days. Um, and then when you kind of have those tease days where, you know, it seems like spring, you really, really appreciate it. Yeah. And living where we do, you know, like in such a walking town, and also, you know, having a dog, you have to go out multiple times a day. You really do experience the weather. And mm. so, um, you know, I, I, when I'm out in the rain, like I was today, feeling crummy, not wanting to walk the dog in the, you know, the driving rain, um, you know, I tried to focus on how nice it's going to feel when I come home and take the hot shower um, and how nice it'll be when we finally have some spring days. But I, um, I feel like it's having that variation makes you really appreciate it when you have the nice weather. Yeah. And you know what they go on to say in here is that the deeper lesson uh, with this exercise, this hot and cold, it's an important way to work with discomfort, you know, to stop avoiding it and that we walk right into it and feel it from within the body and what is true. You investigate discomfort, its size, its shape, its surface. She was saying something in a story here that uh, she had somebody get into her car and immediately lean over and turn on the air conditioning. And she said that um, before the car had even started, and she said, it's like salting your food before you taste it, you know, 
because we don't want to be uncomfortable immediately if we feel hot. So I think that exercise too is more about that idea of, of I feel uncomfortable right now. <laughs> and how uncomfortable can I be? And, and, you know, in the varying degrees of that. So number five is using your non-dominant hand. We talked about that a little bit. It said, uh, try this with ordinary tasks, brushing your teeth, Try putting on a Band-Aid with your dominant hand. Have you guys ever tried doing that? Like you're holding one of your kids with one hand and you're trying to put a, put a Band-Aid on. It's not exactly easy. So it says when you notice that you're using your dominant hand, then try to switch. Or you could put on a note on your bathroom mirror that says left hand or tape a trace drawing of your hand around the house. Did anybody try this one any more than we talked about earlier, Ariane? I did this one. Um, so I decided I was going to use my left hand to brush my teeth. And um, at the beginning I was, and I, at the beginning I was very good. I did it. Um, I noticed that I took time. I was brushing slower. Every tooth was definitely benefiting from, from the brushing. You know, there was no rush. Um, so I definitely noticed that. Uh, I also noticed more so than just about using one of my hands. I noticed my hands in general, just that they're, you know, they're, they might be small, but they're so powerful and that I need them for practically everything I do. And that frankly, I don't take as good care of them as I should. They're a little bit neglected. I should lotion them more and, you know, but, um, but I noticed that through the brushing of the teeth with the non-dominant hand. If that you know, makes I sense. noticed that too, that I was thinking about that. I think I was watching, I love watching cooking shows and I think my TV is defaulted when you turn the TV on. There's, I don't know, some local cable thing comes on it, like Bon Appetit. If you ever have watched Bon Appetit, the cooks in the, in the test kitchen, it's the best thing on TV. It's so fun to watch. But anyway, I was watching someone using their hands, you know, to, do, to knead dough. And I thought to myself, wow, since the beginning of time, like these are our tools, like, and we... We don't really think about it. You know, the deeper lesson of this task, it says, is this task illustrates how strong and unconscious our habits and how difficult they are to change without awareness and determination. And I really, because my right hand hurts a little bit, I've been determined to use my left. And I said to my husband this morning, I said, I actually think that I'm getting, my hand is starting to get better at, you know, texting and you know, it over time, because I've been doing it for a few weeks, it's the practice has made it better. Um, do I, when I was doing this, um, I thought of two people in my life that, um, have been affected by strokes. And one of them is my father and he is right-hand dominant. He lost all the feeling in his right side of his body. So now, he's, he uses his left hand. And, you know, when I, when I was doing some of the things left-handed, I was just imagining how frustrating it is for him to, you know, he, he signs his name, but it just, it's not, and he has beautiful handwriting. It's not the same. So that, that made me kind of sad thinking, wow, like we just take for granted um, the use of both of our hands. And then I thought of another one of my, another very close friend, again, he had a stroke, lost his dominant side, which was his right side. He was an artist, um, or, or did like, um, product development or something. I don't know, but he was very, very artistic. He 
taught himself how to paint with his left hand. And if you look him up, you'll find his artwork. Um, he sent, he just passed away this past winter, but, um, he had created such amazing artwork using his Don, uh, non-dominant left hand. So I like, I look at my dad and my friend and just say, you know, one person is still struggling and the other person like embraced it and was determined to be able to change his, you know, diagnosis and just work with his, his non-dominant hand. So that, that, that's what I thought of also when I was using my other That's hand. Beautiful. Maybe you can share a piece of that artwork and we can add it to the, sure to the podcast page under the descriptions. Cause I'll have a link to this book and everything, but it's interesting because she goes on to say in the book, Jennifer, that using the non-dominant hand reveals our impatience and it can help us become more flexible and discover that we are never too old to learn new tricks. Mm-hmm. And if we practice using the non-dominant hand frequently over time, we can watch our skill development. And it sounds like that's what your friend did with the artwork. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Joanne, did I think you that's really that? impressive. Oh, go- no, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I feel like that's, that's really impressive um, to kind of embrace that challenge and, and to rise and really, um, you know, grow from it. Um, I once broke my, my radius in Ulna and I know um, Joanne's been in a similar situation too. Um, and I had a cast from my knuckles um, up to my shoulder on my right hand, um, on my right side. And I couldn't use my my right hand to do anything. And it was incredibly frustrating, you know, not being able to, you know, shampoo your hair, be able to take notes in a meeting, be able to type. And, um, you know, I tried to learn to use my left hand and it was, it was very challenging. When I finally, you know, got converted to the smaller cast, I was so relieved. But I've always had such an empathy for people who have those, um, those, uh, handicaps, um, especially permanent. It's just such a challenge to have to face that, um, you know, indefinitely. Yeah. And we did, it took like an accident or something that was taken from you to realize what you have. (laughs) Right. That's what I'm hearing from that story. Joanne, what did you want to say? When I saw this exercise that you gave us about using your non-dominant hand, it's funny because, um, again, like something I've done before as a dental hygienist, um, you're often told to tell your patients if they're brushing too hard to use their left hand instead. Um, so like a lot of my patients will have a lot of recession or wearing down of their tooth enamel. Um, and so it, it, we often tell them to brush with their left hand. Um, but so by doing that, of course, they're going to brush obviously more mindfully, um, sometimes more efficiently too, because you actually have to stop and think about it. It's not a habit. It's something completely new. So as a result, they're, you know, brushing better, um, being more mindful. And it also, I believe, fires different um, synapses in your brain because you're using a different hand. You're doing something differently. Um, So all in all, it's just such a wonderful thing to do is to practice using your left hand for things. I just started playing pickleball, too. And I'll often try to use my left hand sometimes. And sometimes, you know, I have the dog in my hand or I have the leash or whatever. So I often try to use my left hand too. And I still, even though I've been doing this for, you know, 20 years, like I learned in dental hygiene school to tell my patients that it's still difficult. I mean, maybe I don't do it enough. That could be, but everything is always a little bit more difficult with the left hand. And yeah, I definitely invite our audience to try to do this with things. Um, 
it's really quite funny to see what happens and to see if you can do it and, you know, what you get out of it. Yeah. That's why when I sent you guys the task that I said, play it like a game with your kids, get your families involved, because then it makes it, it makes it even more fun. And that's what I'm hearing is that you're kind of using it in this playful way, but there's all this benefit from it. And I do have a kid who brushes his teeth too hard. And we were just talking about that the other day. And one my other son was like, I think you should tell the dentist, but I'm going to I'm going to have him brush with his left hand, Joanne. That was such a Yeah, the, the dentist or the dental hygienist will tell him to try to brush with his left hand yeah. or they'll tell you to get an electrical toothbrush and be more gentle. But yeah. try the left hand because he may brush better with the left hand because he has to like really think about it, you know, whereas you're right, you just scrub, 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 you're done in like 30 seconds. <laughs> um, For this, sure. in, this, uh, this incredible artist that Jennifer mentioned, his name is Ron Emmerling. Um, and you said he passed away recently. I, I just, I feel, I don't know. I'm feeling like that's very tender for you. And so I just wanted to honor him by, by mentioning his name. Thank you. Yeah. He was my neighbor down in Bayhead and um, I, they were like parents to me, even though I have my parents still living, but they were such gracious people and always warm and open. I have one, a couple of his photography and um, pen and pen and ink drawings in my house and they mean so much to me and my family. So yeah. thank you. For and even more now, um, maybe because you shared this, that he went through this struggle, but sort of, you know, overcame it, you know, we're not too old to learn new ways to do things. And even when we're forced to, and so that's such a reminder of like the human perseverance and, and, you know, um, drive that we all have. So just in closing, I'll say that, um, that the in the beginner's mind, there are many possibilities, but in the experts, there are few. Mindfulness enables us to keep returning to the unlimited possibilities that are always emerging from the great birthing place of the present moment. So I invite anybody who's listening and like you guys all have to bring to bringing these possibilities into your life. And you're trying out these, they sound so silly and simple, but getting you know your friends and your family involved. I think even putting those little notes around your house you know, can make it fun in that way. And, and really you're just teaching yourself and the people that you love to be present. And isn't that what we all want? You know, I meet with so many women who talk to me about wanting to be, you know, more awake, more happy, more into their lives and, and not just drudging through. And, and these are the ways that we do it as simple as they sound, it works. And that's why when I listen to you guys, you know, now versus three years ago, when we started this venture together, there's, there's an awakening that has happened and a strength in around all of this and that you guys are doing this work. You were doing it before you met me, but I feel like there's this deepened sense of it. And so I, I hope that it's inspiring. I know it is to me, to, to everybody who's listening. So I love you guys. Thank you for joining me today and for, for trying out uh, another new <laughs> set of practices to enhance. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Oh, good. I'm Pam Rotelli-Robertson, and you have been listening to Talking Joy, talks that help you realize your value while creating authentic connections with others. For more information about our talk today or to get in touch, you can find us at talkingjoy.org. And to keep the encouragement going, you can also follow Talking Joy on Instagram and Facebook. Simple, joyful, fun. Thanks for listening. This is Talking Joy.